Our gospel reading today is from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus began to speak in the synagogue at Nazareth. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless, you will quote me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do hear also in your hometown the things we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and there was, there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except the widow Azarephath of Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in town in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up and drove him out of town and led him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built so that they might hurl him off a cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. I'm really grateful to be with y'all and thank you so much for uh, really um, one of the blessings of, of this pandemic. Uh, and there, there's always a little bit of light in the shadow is being having the opportunity to do things like this, to hear different people. Uh, I know y'all were talking in the beginning of checking out some different uh, places and preachers. I've definitely been to church at Canterbury Cathedral uh, and at the Vatican in Rome during this time. So thank you so much. So I love I love the 12th and 13 chapters of Paul's letter, letter to the church in Corinth. Uh, and really, love and relationship, that's my go-to. I mean, the gifts of spirit and love. How can a person go wrong with that? But I've been taking a look at the gospel of Luke from a different perspective. Um, you know, just lately, and I thought since that we're on Zoom, I'd share some things that I've been thinking about and hone in ultimately on today's gospel. So a word of warning, I'm not completely sure that this is something that a bunch of theologians would agree with, but the more I dig into it, the more I think there might be something here. So a little background. As we get deeper into, gospel, into the gospel of Luke, we move further away from the street theater of Mark and the high Christology of John and into the perspective of Luke, a theological historian who was by almost any account, a literary artist. Luke has a few sources for his writings, uh, but the main one is Mark. So we are well set up for what he has in store for us, having spent the last year plowing the ground, Mark. So I think of special interest in Luke's gospel is the fact that there are more stories with women in them than any other gospel. 
the fact that it contains an infancy narrative and that that we are also familiar with. And in Luke, there's a really deep emphasis on scripture, prayer, and action. The gospel of Luke wants us to know our scripture, wants us to read it prayerfully, and wants us to put it into action daily. Literally, as we go on the journey, we are to set our faces to Jerusalem every day. So there's some certain themes that run throughout this gospel. There's the presence of the Holy Spirit as taking a really central role. Uh, There's the practice of our religious traditions and the traditions of our ancestors. Praying and relying on God as a source of strength is a focus. Repentance, forgiveness, the establishment of justice, and of course, courage. Courage plays a central role in Luke's gospel. And of course, I think that list, y'all would probably agree, are all pretty important core values for us today as well. So what is so intriguing to me lately, and what I want to lean in today, is the four uniquely beautiful songs in the first two chapters of this gospel, which humanize and put some flesh on these themes right from the start. And you're familiar with all of them, probably more than any, the Song of Mary or the Magnificat, the Song of Zechariah or the Benedictus as it's often listed, which we just read a few minutes ago, the Angel's Song and then the Song of Simeon or the Nuke Dementis in, uh, in our Compline service. These songs teach the reader the story that is about to unfold after and around the birth of Jesus. They're anchored in a, in a really Roman tradition of storytelling, as is the whole of Luke's gospel. So here's the thing. We get to read the Bible backwards. We know the end of the story. But for the first century audience, the story was new. So these songs are really important because by the end of the second chapter of Luke, they know what kind of journey they're on. You can't say that about Matthew or Mark, because as we roll along with those gospels, it's hard to tell what is going to come next. So the Song of Mary begins the sequence. It's the first one that comes up where Mary uh, magnifies the Lord's glory, followed by Zechariah from today. And then the angel song, which you might not recognize that phrase, but you do know as an entire generation of people, it's Linus's answer to Charlie Brown's question. Can anyone explain the meaning of Christmas? And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men. That's the meaning of Christmas, Charlie Brown. So we know that one uh, deeply. And then finally, the song of Simeon. In the middle of the second chapter, at the naming of Jesus Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of mine have seen the Savior, whom you have prepared for all the world to see. A light to enlighten the nations and to the glory of your people Israel. 
Those of you who pray the daily office will recognize these songs as a regular part, a regular part of morning prayer, noonday prayer, evening prayer, and compliment. They all follow a similar pattern, and I think they tell the story of Luke's gospel. So we know where we're going. Let's take a look just at the Song of Mary as an example of how these songs shape us and shape this gospel. So the Song of Mary is a song to a God who fulfills their promises, beginning with a reversal of Mary's condition and position. Here's how it begins. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Lowliness. The lowliness of Mary. It's not just a state of mind, but it's a physical condition. She's a woman in a society that doesn't value women. She's young in a society that values age. She's pregnant and uh, unmarried in a society that does not value either one of those conditions. She is physically lowly and God raises her up. Then the song goes on. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. She's exalted. Generations will remember her blessedness. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Telling us that God is always merciful. And then continuing, he has shown his strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. The song recites the past and present reversals and the power of God to work in and through people in the world. And then finally, the conclusion. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Mercy for Israel and the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. So it seems to me that in these songs, the fulfillment of the story of the gospel is there. Prayer, scripture, the spirit, practicing our religious traditions, praying and asking God for strength, repentance, forgiveness, justice, courage. It seems to me that it's all there. So, what about the sort of hard to hard to sort our way through gospel today? Jesus begins to speak in the synagogue at Nazareth. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. So here's the context. Jesus is standing up in the synagogue. He's read the script, read the scroll, read the Torah in Hebrew. We don't know in the first century how much of the prophets were actually read in the synagogue, but we know the Torah was. So he's read the Torah in Hebrew and he has preached to the people in synagogue in Aramaic. So he knows his stuff. All's going really well. 
this boy from Nazareth might be all right. This Messiah thing is working out. But then someone says, as someone always does, wait a second, is this not Joseph's son? So you can see that now we have a problem. Even though Jesus seems to know what he's doing, he's clearly an imposter because he's the son of a carpenter from Nazareth of all backwater places. A hayseed with no Greek, the scholars would say. What could he possibly teach us? So it turns on a dime. The whole story turns. But then Jesus provokes them. And he tells the story about the widows in the time of Elijah and the lepers in the time of Elisha. And and they immediately recognize the fact that he is saying that God's mercy is not just for the Jews because the people in that story are Syrians. They are not Jewish, yet God saves them too. So now they're angry, right? So when they hear this, the whole synagogue is filled with rage. They got up to drive him out of town and led him to the brow of a cliff to throw him off. But he passed through them and is on his way. It seems, it seems like an up and such a, such a weird scene. But then we remember the songs. We realize that lowliness and rejection are where this story starts. And they have to be followed. That's the state of lowliness and rejection is followed by courage and by prayer and by the presence of the spirit. The exaltation in God's mercy, the reversal of the misery, the mercy for Israel, the fulfilling of God's promise. It's all in there. All that is coming. And I think we know it from the songs and we know it from Jesus's baptism and his temptation by the devil. And we know it from today's gospel. It, it starts out like everything's going to be great and really quickly it goes the other direction. And we realize that this journey we're on from Jesus is not going to be an easy one, uh, but it's going to be one that ultimate leads to blessedness and to being bathed in the mercy of God. So blessedness is such an important thing. And being blessed by God, of course, is amazing. But this blessing that we hear about in all these songs and that we think about with Jesus is what uh, theologians call a divine paradox. And what uh, the author of the Lord of the Rings, Tolkien, called a eucatastrophe, meaning a good catastrophe. Because you see the blessedness of Mary and Jesus is a paradox because that same gift that raises them up out of lowliness, the grace and the presence of God is the gift that ultimately pierces Mary's side and breaks her heart. And it's the same blessedness that leads, leads to Jesus's death and his resurrection. So I offer that I offer to you to take a look at these songs again. I think I think they might serve as guideposts 
on our way to Jerusalem. I pray for all y'all that your uh, that your journey through Luke this year leads you to new insights, new hopes, and blessedness. Amen.